Hello and welcome to the Earthside Echo, your source for all the latest dispatches from Earthside. Tonight's programme introduces the Minerva Council, that shadowy body that advises the Magister of the Guild in all matters. Some say the Council is the true power behind the throne, and that the might of the Guild is directed and manipulated by Council members. What is certain is that intrigue and deception play a pivotal role in all Earthside politics. I hope you enjoy Minerva Council. Pietru Augusti Irakela Garcia. Pietru Augusti Irakela Garcia. Alwyn Parcelpont repeated the name over and over again as he looked down at the note card in his hand. He had never been particularly good at pronouncing Spanish names. But his fellow clerks warned him about the Valencian countess's unwavering attention to formality and proper manners. If he pronounced her name incorrectly, it might be the end of his career in the guild. Or worse, if some of the stories could be believed. Alwyn took a deep breath and looked up into the wide mirror adorning the wall of the reception area of Weiner Rathaus. The man staring back at him was neatly dressed in a red and grey military uniform that complemented his athletic form, His wife had assured him that he looked dashing in the uniform, but Alwyn had always considered himself to be more of a clerk than a soldier. Seeing himself dressed up in full military regalia only made him uncomfortable, as if he had been wrapped up in red tape too tight for him to escape. Perhaps that feeling wasn't too far from the truth. He caught sight of movement near the entrance and steeled his resolve. Beatru Augusti Irakela Gathia, he murmured, his eyes darting back to his nervous reflection. You can do this, Alwyn. Beatru Augusti Irakela Garcia. Behind him, the clerk stationed at the reception desk smirked and pretended not to pay attention to him. Turning away from the mirror, Alwyn crossed the wide chamber, the heels of his boots wrapping out a steady rhythm on the polished stone floor. The building's double doors had both been opened to accommodate the arrival of council members and Alwyn stopped just short of them and folded his arms behind his back in proper military fashion. Through the doors, he could see an elegant carriage pulling to a stop right next to the door. The gilded carriage had barely come to a halt before the driver had hopped down from the front, tugged on the bottom of his black jacket, and opened the door of the carriage to help its occupants down to the street. As the Countess stepped down from the carriage, Alwyn found himself wondering whether he had been victim of a cruel prank, His fellow clerks had described the Countess as a shriveled old woman who clung to her power like a miser clings to gold, but the woman in front of him was young and, he was not ashamed to admit, quite attractive. Alwyn never had much of a head for fashion, much to the annoyance of his wife, but he could still recognise money and good taste when he saw it. The Countess was dressed a blue and white silk redingot and a matching hat, and both suited her quite well. Had it not been for her bronze skin and Spanish features, he might have believed that she had stepped straight out of a Parisian fashion magazine. The only things that stood out as particularly unusual were the rows of earring studs that ran along both of her ears. Stepping forward, Alwyn clicked his polished boots together and executed a perfectly practised bow. Countess Beatru Augusti Raquela Garcia, it is my pleasure to welcome you to Vina Rathaus. I am Alwyn Parcelpont, and... There seems to be some mistake. The woman's voice was smooth and low, like a throaty purr. 
I am Jacinta Guilherme Rosa Garcia. The former Comtessa was my mother-in-law. Of all the things that Alwyn had been prepared for, the arrival of a new Countess had not been one of them. The rest of his carefully prepared speech evaporated from his mind as his brow furrowed in confusion. Oh, I... we were unaware that the Countess had passed. He turned his head from one side to the other, as if searching for someone to help him navigate the awkward situation. The other clerks were diligently pretending to ignore the situation and refused to make eye contact with him. Jacinta casually removed her white gloves and handed them to a waiting servant. Comtesse, not Countess, Mr. Passapont. In any case, I am fairly certain that my mother-in-law is still alive, though she is still quite indisposed. I had her bricked up in my wine cellar, you see. She smirked at the comment and favoured Alwyn with a conspirational wink. Alwyn started to chuckle at the joke, but when he caught sight of the sombre expression of Jacinta's servants, he quickly disguised it as an awkward cough. Yes, of course. And your husband, the new Count? It's a very large wine cellar, she countered, her attention drifting as she admired the wide mirror. In any case, I am now the Comtesse of Valencia, and I will be assuming all of the duties required by my new station. Jacinta glanced back to him and arched a thin eyebrow, as if daring him to challenge her claim. Alwyn started to say something, thought better of it, and decided that it was in his best interest to avoid asking too many questions about the woman's family. If he had learned anything about dealing with European nobility during his time with the Guild, it was to avoid getting caught up in their private squabbles and feuds. Instead, he merely smiled and offered her another bow. Of course, Comtesse, if you would be so kind as to follow me, I can introduce you to some of the other members of the Minerva Council while you wait for the meeting. That would be quite agreeable. Jacinta slipped her right arm around his left, allowing her body to press against him more than was strictly proper as they began to walk. I should very much enjoy a tour of this building at some point, if there is time. There is as much time as you wish there to be, Comtessa. Alwyn glanced sideways at the young Countess, who had attached herself to his arm. Before the former Comtessa was indisposed, imprisoned behind a wall of bricks, she clarified. Alwyn once again found himself stumbling over an awkward turn in the conversation. Yes, before that, did she explain the purpose of the Minerva Council? Jacinta shook her head. No, it was mostly screaming and cursing, truth be told. She turned her head, catching Alwyn's gaze as her smirk reappeared. From previous conversations, however, I had the impression that it was some sort of advisory committee for the Magister. My husband's mother and I were not on the best of terms, and she rarely spoke of her trips to Vienna. I take it she was a private woman, not especially. She believed that I had married her son in an attempt to gain access to his title and fortune, and most of our conversations revolved around her vow that I would never see either while she drew breath. 
Jacinda's expression turned thoughtful. For all her faults, she had quite the talent for reading people. Alwyn led the young countess down the long, gilded hallway to the sitting parlour. Every so often, Jacinta would express an interest in some quirk of architecture or a piece of art that had been tucked away in a dusty alcove. He found himself surprised by her curiosity. Most members of the council barely paid attention to the building or its adornments. At some point along their tour, he realised that Jacinta's servants had vanished, leaving him alone with the woman clinging to his arm. They had stopped in a small alcove near one of the courtyards to examine a macabre piece of art. It was a human skull, but two ram horns curled out from the sides of its head in mimicry of the guild's ram's head emblem. He had expected Jacinta to either recoil in disgust or to take a morbid interest in the piece, but she barely gave it a second glance. Instead, she pulled away from him, her small hand sliding down his arm until they reached his hand and pulled him further into the alcove. I doubt that anyone could see us in here, she mused, her eyes glinting with mischief. Alwyn felt his face flushing with colour. This courtyard is rather popular, he countered, glancing nervously back over his shoulder. Perhaps we should... Find somewhere more quiet? She still held his hand between her own, and as she looked up at him, her fingers found his wedding ring and began to slowly turn it from one side to the other. Alwyn glanced nervously down at his hand and realised that Jacinta's own fingers were completely devoid of any rings of her own. Despite her petite frame, he couldn't help but feel like his hand was being held in the mouth of a tiger. With the upcoming meeting, Comtessa, there are likely no such places in the building. Security is at its highest when the Minerva Council is gathered. The Spanish woman began to slowly sway her hips in a thoroughly distracting manner. Which is why you have been assigned to protect me? Alwyn opened his mouth to reply, but shock and panic had robbed him of his voice. He took a step away from her, but she took two steps forward, leaving her pressed up against his chest with their hands between them. He opened his mouth to protest, but another voice beat him to it. I dare say her passapont. Aren't there more discreet places to do that sort of thing? Jacinta released Alwyn and took a half-step back, her hands moving to ensnare his arm before he could move too far away. Instead of shame or embarrassment, her expression was one of excitement. Alwyn was panicked enough for both of them. Standing in the doorway of the courtyard, with the wooden door propped open by one wrinkled hand, was a short, rounded man in a well-cut black suit. His greying hair was swept across his bald pate in a serviceable comb-over, and his hawk-like features were set in a disapproving scowl. Alwyn cleared his throat and tried not to look too guilty. Jacinta, this is Matthias Steuben, the representative of the German Landesbanken. Herr Steuben, this is... His mind blanked as he tried to remember Jacinta's full name. The new Comtesse of Valencia. Jacinta held out one of her hands, and Matthias, after casting an accusatory glare at Alwyn, took it into his own and bowed down to kiss it. When Matthias straightened, much of the banker's annoyance seemed to have evaporated. It's quite the pleasure to meet you, Comtessa. I was a close friend of your mother. I hope she is doing well. My husband's mother, she corrected him, her tone warm and light. Shall I assume 
that you are also a member of the Minerva Council. The former Comtesse did not give me all of the details about the group before her unfortunate accident. Matthias's eyebrows rose in surprise. Is that so? How much do you know? Jacinta's smile was a bit too flirtatious to be considered apologetic. I knew enough to learn of the meeting's date and location. Beyond that, I am somewhat uninformed, though Mr. Passelpoint was doing quite a wonderful job of explaining things. She freed her hand from the banker's grip and returned it to Alwyn's arm with a light squeeze. Mateus's eyes flickered up to Alwyn's flushed face for a moment, then moved back to Jacinta as he forced a smile onto his lips. So it would seem. However, you would be better served by receiving your answers directly from the source, Comtessa. If you wish, I could educate you on the finer details in the courtyard over warm tea. Alwyn saw his chance to escape. That seems like a marvellous idea, Herr Steuben. I will inform the kitchen staff of your request while the two of you become better acquainted. Surprisingly, Jacinta didn't put up much resistance. That sounds quite pleasant. Thank you. She slipped away from Alwyn's arm and moved to Matthias's side, crossing her right arm over her stomach and holding her left elbow as the fingers of that hand played with the collar of her dress. Alwyn's eyes widened as he noticed the ring that now adorned Jacinta's finger. It was too large for her, which wasn't surprising, given that it was his wedding ring. Perhaps you could join us once the preparations are complete, Mr. Parcelpont, she asked, her expression innocent. He suppressed the urge to sigh. I don't see how I have any choice, Comtessa. Fifteen minutes later, Alwyn entered the courtyard to find Jacinta and Matthias chatting amiably at a glass-topped table near a copse of miniature fruit trees. Matthias was holding one of Jacinta's hands in his own, though he leaned back and released it as Alwyn joined them. Once he was settled and the servants had poured the tea and departed, Alwyn turned his attention back to Jacinta. "'Has Herr Steuben answered all your questions, Comtesse?' Jacinta smiled as she carefully added a sugar cube to her cup. It has been quite an illuminating conversation. Imagine my surprise to learn that the Minerva Council is the puppet master pulling the guild strings behind closed doors. From the corner of his eye, Alwyn could see Matthias shifting uncomfortably in his chair. Once again, the young Spanish woman had placed him in a difficult position. That is... Certainly one way to look at it, if the Comtesse... There's nothing sinister or underhanded about it, Matthias interrupted. Someone has to run things. Jacinta leaned forward, placed her elbows on the table, and cradled her chin in her hands. Perhaps that is the part that confuses me, Matthias. Ever since I was a little girl, my tutors told me that the Magister was the head of the guild... Now, though, you are telling me that it's a group of noble houses, bankers and mages that make the decisions for the guild. Her brow furrowed. It's all just so confusing. Matthias looked from Jacinta to Alwyn and back again, as if trying to determine whether or not the young countess was mocking him.
Well, he grumbled, the people need a figurehead, someone to look up to and believe in, a hero to lead them through the dark times. Jacinta blinked in mock surprise. Oh my. She sat up and pressed a delicate hand to her chest. Is that what we are discussing today? Have we decided to stop being the villains? Her voice lowered to a concerned whisper as she leaned forward again. Have you told the others? Morty! Owen leaned forward in an attempt to physically put himself between the two council members as best he could. It's a bit of a darker blend than I'm accustomed. The banker was having none of it, however. His chair scraped across the flagstones as he pushed himself to his feet and leaned forward, his hands gripping the table so tightly they turned white. It was a sharp contrast from the man's face, which had turned an angry shade of red. Listen here, you ungrateful little whelp. When the world was on the brink of destruction, the guild stepped forward, brought an end to the fighting, and ushered in a century of peace. Peace? Jacinta dropped her facade and stared up at him in bewilderment. What about the massacres in India, the pogroms in Russia, the raising of Sweden? Matthias slammed his fist on the table, making the teapot and cups jump into the air. We brought order to the world! Jacinta stared at Matthias for a moment, before turning her attention back to her tea. This morning's newspaper was plastered with pictures of London on fire. Page two was filled with stories about the latest massacres in Russia and the ongoing Boxers' Rebellion in the Three Kingdoms. A week ago, all they could talk about was the earthquake and monsters that wiped San Francisco from the map. She raised her tea to her lips, took a slow sip, and then glanced back up at the enraged banker. It would be one thing if the guild were actually good at being evil overlords, but... The banker's lips pulled back to reveal his teeth, and he raised his hand as if to strike the younger woman down. At the last moment, however, he remembered where he was and slowly lowered his arm back to the table. He opened his mouth as if to say something more, then thought better of it and simply snatched up his hat and stomped away. Alwyn waited until Matthias was completely out of earshot before speaking. That went well. She shrugged, leaned back in her chair, and stretched her arms out above her. One of the prerogatives of nobility is being able to say exactly what you want, whenever you want to say it. If he wanted a woman without any opinion, I'm sure that he can find one in a beer hall or a brothel. Roughly the same thing from what I understand of Germany. I wouldn't know, Owen sighed, shaking his head. Could I have my wedding ring back? Jacinta grinned and held out her hand to him. Don't you think it looks nice? You could let me keep it as a token of your affection? Alwyn snorted in amusement. He took her hand in his own and slowly slid the ring free of her fingers, which she waggled playfully once he was finished. Once his ring was back where it belonged, he gave her an appraising look. Can I ask you a personal question, Comtessa? She reached forward, took his teacup into her hands, and angled it towards her. Would you like for me to read your fortune in the leaves? I'm quite good at it. He stared at her for a long moment, and lowered his voice to a whisper. Your 
not actually a noblewoman, are you? Rather than take offence to his question, Jacinta's grin only widened. I'll never tell, she winked. Gradually, the members of the Minerva Council filtered into their meeting room, and Jacinta was no exception. Alwyn was still at her side, more out of obligation than desire at this point. At least this way, he could try to steer her behaviour toward less destructive ends. Alwyn had only been inside the council chambers on a handful of times, but he still found himself slowing to a stop as he entered the room. By the way that Jacinta's pace slowed at his side, he could tell that even she was taken aback by the room's decor. It was built in the manner of an amphitheatre, with the mahogany desks all arranged in a semicircle around a central dais. Atop that dais was a raised bench, akin to the one used by a judge in a courtroom, and the steps and floor were smothered in thick, crimson carpeting. By far the most impressive feature of the room, however, was the ram's head insignia of the guild, set into the wall behind the dais. It took up most of the far wall and glowed with thousands of points of faint red light, illuminating the room in its chilling radiance. When Jacinta finally found her voice, it was little more than a whisper. Are those... Solstones? Her hands tightened on his arm again, this time in awe. His own voice wasn't much louder than her own. Yes, 5,797 of them, one for each day of the Black Powder Wars. And they're... all charged? Alwyn nodded. Yes. Some of the mages claim that the unique red glow means that the souls imprisoned within are true to the guild's purpose. But I know a mage right who claims that it's just an alchemical treatment to tint the stones. I suppose it doesn't really matter in the end. No, I imagine not, Jacinta murmured, still staring at the insignia. I can see why Mr. Steuben was so passionate in his defense of the council. It would be difficult to sit before such a symbol for long and not feel the stirrings of one's heart. Alwyn slowly guided the Comtesse to one side of the aisle, so as not to block the entrance for the other council members. Speaking of, it may be a wise idea to find a seat, Comtesse. Yes, of course. Jacinta continued to stare at the glowing insignia for a moment before pulling her gaze free. Is there anywhere... Specific that I should seat? The noble families tend toward the left side, he replied as he guided her to an empty desk. The two of them earned a few confused looks and double takes from the other members seated in the area, and there was no doubt in Alwyn's mind that Jacinta would find herself inundated with questions about her identity and lineage once the meeting concluded. The only reason that she wasn't set upon immediately, he suspected, was a combination of his presence adding legitimacy to her presence, and a desire by the nobles not to appear weak to the other two voting blocks. As the last of the stragglers found their seats, a thin woman in a red and grey guild uniform approached the room and seated herself at the central bench. Her hair was a bit greyer than the images Alwyn had seen of her on the propaganda posters, and there were a few more wrinkles around the corners of her eyes and mouth, but the magister was still instantly recognisable. As far as most people in the world were aware, and as far as most people in the Guild were aware, the Magister was the woman who controlled the most powerful organisation in the world. To Alwyn's eyes, she looked nervous. An elderly black man on the other side of the room stood and raised his walking staff, drawing attention to him. 
Madam Magister, he intoned, his deep voice carrying a thick Boston accent. It has been one month, and the council has yet to be updated on the state of matters following the fall of London. The Magister leaned towards him, but when she spoke, she addressed the entire room. Lord Foster, with all due respect, proper protocols demand. Proper protocols, the voice came from a Frenchwoman, the Marquise de Ambert, directly behind Alwyn. Exactly what is the proper protocol for monsters falling from the sky, Madame Magister? More voices rose in protest and condemnation. Some council members leaned forward in their seats, while others stood to better throw invectives and accusations at the figurehead of their organisation. Even Jacinta got caught up in the excitement. She leaped to her feet and started shouting, Rabble, 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 at the woman, before Alwyn grabbed her arm and pulled her back down to her seat. Please, please. The Magister climbed to her feet and held her hands out in an attempt to silence the council's members. We are merely awaiting the results of Commander Thrace's trial before... The rest of her words were drowned out by the crowd, and with a sigh, the Magister dropped her arms and slumped back into her chair. Jacinta leaned closer to Alwyn, but had to raise her voice to be heard. Do all of the meetings go this way? Usually with less yelling, but, well, London... He could only shrug his shoulders. Truthfully, Alwyn understood why so many of the council's members were upset at the Magister. He had talked over his own concerns about how the Guild was handling the situation with his wife. The fact that they had simply allowed England to put Commander Thrace on trial without any sort of intervention was... Well, it certainly made him reconsider just how much he wanted to place himself at risk for the Guild. Maybe that was why he hadn't reported Jacinta to his superiors yet. A part of him sort of hoped that she was a spy, and not merely a rebellious noblewoman testing the limits of her newfound power. Alwyn was wrenched from his thoughts by a banging sound, and both he and Jacinta twisted in their seats as they turned toward the source. The others quieted as well, until the only sound in the room was a neatly trimmed gentleman standing at a rear table and banging his cane against its surface. His cheeks were slightly flushed from the effort, and his suit was a bit ragged around the edges. "'I assume you have something to say, Mr. Cromwell?' The magister had a hand pressed against the side of her head, no doubt as a means of easing a growing headache. Jacinta cast a curious look toward Alwyn, who mouthed the word mage to her. Yes! Cromwell gave the top of his desk one final rap with his cane, before grinning widely. I have an announcement to make! Someone shouted, sit down! Alwyn thought the voice sounded suspiciously like Matthias Steuben's, but the magister drowned it out with her own voice. I appreciate the attempt at order, if not the means by which you brought it about, she said, casting an accusatory glance at the unflinching men and women arrayed in front of her. Please approach and address the council. Cromwell didn't walk down the steps, so much as skip down them, pausing every few steps to tap his cane on the ground once or twice before continuing. Is he drunk? Alwyn murmured under his breath. Normally, Philip Cromwell was one of the more reserved and dignified members of the mage block, Today, however, he seemed almost... The colour had drained from Jacinta's face. No, he's not. She grabbed Alwyn's arm, her eyes never leaving the mage, as he reached the bottom of the stairs and spun about in a circle. Stay close, Passelpont. Alwyn glanced down at his arm, then back up at the Comtesse. Why? What's happening? 
Jacinta shook her head and started to say something, but she was cut off by the sudden thud of Cromwell's cane against the ground. The sound was far louder than it should have been, and every conversation in the room ended in surprise. London! Cromwell's word hung in the air as he looked from one corner of the room to the other. A tragedy, to be sure! His eyebrows raised, questioningly, as he leaned forward onto his cane. Or was it? Yes, yes, a great many people died, torn apart by monsters or incinerated by the flames or beaten to death by canes, let's say. He lifted his cane, admired it for a moment, smiled, and then spun it between his fingers as he started to pace back and forth. A terrible tragedy. But do we not feed on tragedy? Is our entire power base not built upon soul stones? Gemstones that grow more powerful in the presence of death? Did we not rise like the proverbial phoenix from the chaos of the black powder wars? The magister stared at Cromwell, as though he had gone mad. Out of habit, Alwyn cast a glance across the room, toward the mage block, and was alarmed to see some slowly reaching for the amulets and wards hanging from their necks and belts, or worked into their cufflinks. This isn't good, he said, looking back to Jacinta. We should... Quiet, she hissed, her attention focused intently upon Cromwell. Can't you feel it? Alwyn blinked in surprise. Feel what? The words were barely out of his mouth before he noticed the sensation. It was intangible, but unmistakable. A gradual increase in pressure against his chest and face. Do you not see the potential here? Cromwell's voice had become shrill and frantic. How much time and effort did we put into reopening the breach to Malifaux? How many souls did we consign to oblivion for a single portal? He threw his arms wide. Do you not see? The Burning Man is the answer to our problems. We need only to supplicate ourselves to his majesty to learn how to control the portals that spring up in his wake. And we shall! His spittle was starting to froth at the corners of his mouth. The magister leaned forward, hands on the side of her bench, and shouted down at the frantic madman. Mr. Cromwell, that is enough. This council will not entertain this sort of... Cromwell made a dismissive gesture with his free hand, and in the blink of an eye, the magister was enveloped in a flash of azure blue light that rolled across her skin like a crashing wave. Her body jerked in pain, and she pulled back in surprise, her arms free of her torso, snapping off to reveal blackened ash where once there had been muscle and bone. The magister's eyes widened in horror, but that very act sent cracks spiderwebbing across her face, which swiftly broke apart and collapsed into chunks of blackened ash. The magister hadn't even finished crumbling to the floor when a half-dozen magical spells slammed into Cromwell, tearing him apart from the middle, draining away his life force, poisoning his blood, and enveloping him in twin coronas of frost and jagged lightning. In his last moment of life, Cromwell laughed, dropped his disintegrating cane, and splayed his fingers out toward the council chambers, forcing the raw magical power that had consumed him outwards. It roared over the shocked and horrified bankers, noblemen and majors like a wave of electric, poison death, killing them in an instant. In his last breath, Alwyn had a vision of his wife, and he found that he couldn't remember whether or not he had told her that he loved her when he left home that morning. Suddenly, light flashed beside him, and the raw magical energy roiled outwards to either side of him, 
sparing his life even as it boiled and electrocuted those nearby. A step from him, Jacinta stood with her arms held out toward the magical wave, the soul stones embedded in her earrings flaring with power as she consumed the souls imprisoned within them to maintain the barrier that had spared their lives. Her expression was one of intense concentration, but when she caught him staring at her, Jacinta still managed to wink at him. Very little survived the aftermath of the attack. Most of the mages managed to erect magical barriers capable of shielding themselves from the worst of the damage, but those who survived would still bear scars and burns for the rest of their days. Few of the nobles or bankers survived the wave of magical energy, and those that did were swiftly put out of their misery. The only thing left of Matthias Steuben was a patch of sizzling fat on a heap of charred wood that had once been his desk. Jacinta's flesh had seared and fused to her earrings, but when Alwyn touched them, she winced and shooed him away. They were freshly fueled by the deaths of those around them, and their glow was now unmistakable. Is this the point where you reveal your master plan? Alwyn asked as he slumped against an uncharred stretch of wall. You're a mage, aren't you? Jacinta stepped up to him and began to casually dust off his suit with her hand. Just because I happen to know a little bit of magic doesn't make this a grand conspiracy, Mr. Parcelpont. Sometimes coincidences are just that. The council will have to choose a new magister before they start rebuilding, but none of them will want to step down. Not when the only checks to their power have been temporarily removed. Alwyn pressed a hand to his chest and winced in pain. They'll want someone from a different faction. That way, they can sell it as a gesture of peace, when really, they're cutting away the last of their opposition. That does seem likely, Jacinta agreed. I wonder who they will pick. She pursed her lips, and allowed her eyes to wander from one side to the other, as if searching for something. Her voice lowered to a confidential whisper. Not many choices left on this side of the room, are there? Alwyn was too tired to indulge her antics any longer. How did you know that Cromwell was going to... The young noblewoman pressed a finger to Alwyn's lips, silencing him. Let's chalk it up to my innate mystery and leave it at that, hmm? She stepped back and took his arm, pulling him away from the wall. Come, you can introduce me to the other survivors, and do try to remember my full name this time. With a sigh, Alwyn surrendered to Jacinta once again. Despite all the lies and flirtation, all the manipulations and immature behaviour, the woman did have a way of getting people to do what she wanted. Perhaps that would be enough. That's it for another episode of the Earthside Echo. Join us next time for more Dispatches from Earthside.